0: Hey Adrian, it's awesome to have you back. I you're over in the UK so it's it's pretty late over there so we're what 6 hours 6 hours time zone difference here. And I'm glad to have you back on the podcast. I believe you and I did an episode in 2020 and my god so much has changed since then. And there were some questions I wanted to ask you then that I I don't think I did. And if you're okay, I would love to just start there.
1: Absolutely. You no, know, it's a it's a privilege to be here, Penny. I really appreciate the invite back. I really enjoyed the, the, the first episode we did. So absolutely more than happy to dive in and answer any questions.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, for me, it's just amazing for someone who's never dealt with uh patents and inventions and Raising venture capital and those kinds of things, just kind of sitting back and watch your watching your progression as you've announced all of the great things that are happening in your life. It just it's been a real reality check for what this takes. But you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, a- Adrian's a, a food scientist. <laughs> so my most basic question is: I always think back to being in college. And then when I finally went for my master's degree, I met a lot of different people at the, that university. And I was like, well, dang, if I knew I could have been that when I grew up, maybe I wouldn't have gone into nursing. Right. So where did the interest in food science come from? I think that's just the most curious thing I can ask right now to start (laughs) off. (laughs)
1: That's a good that's a great question. Um, so it really it's I, I guess it started when I wanted to be a chef and I had an interest in, in in cookery. And what happened is I had the opportunity to do a bit of work experience and I went into a kitchen, like a, you know, a, a, a proper restaurant in a four-star hotel kitchen and probably within half an hour thinking, I don't want to be a chef anymore. <laughs> But, so I had an interest. I had an interest in food, and what it took is, you know, it's when, sometimes when you're at school, you get like a special teacher that kind of stands out and believes in you. And there's a teacher that I had um, called. I still remember her name, Mrs. Bedford. And I did it at GCSE, which is kind of like a a lot, you know, just before you. From that, you had the opportunity to, to leave. You know high school and, and go on to do A levels in university in the UK, and it was during that time that we started to do a little bit of you know basically food science, which is around understanding how food is made up of the different parts in you know, like the fats, proteins, carbohydrates, etc. And I found that bit quite interesting. And then I and because this lady believed in me, I thought, you know what, well, I'm going to go and do this at a higher level. So when I did. A levels. And when I started to learn of, it was the thing that really caught imagination is what happens to, to a, you know, you've got all these different ingredients that go into cake. What happens from when you're mixing it all the way to when it's coming out of the oven? And I just found that absolutely fascinating. I don't know why we call caught me sad, but that was just, that was one of the things that I thought actually that's really interesting to see how all of these things interact to create a cake or a loaf of bread. And it just kind of took my imagination. So then I went and studied at, at university and you know I then got a first class honors degree and, and I found myself I was teaching other members of, of the class so I thinking I could do something here. so let's go and take this further again. Let's see how far I can push this. the one and did a PhD. And then after about four years of studying bowls and cakes, I thought, this is great. I've got a nice big thesis. I can open and you know can leave the door open on it, but it doesn't really help anybody. <laughs> so I thought let's do something tangible with with all of that experience and all of that knowledge that I built up. And then I first started to work with a major breakfast cereal company in the UK called Weetabix. I think you have the products over in the states. And then I was developing using all of those skills from my uh, food science, you know, composing new. know at times quite innovative products throughout my kind of 20 odd year career in corporate which is then launching you know multi-million pounds revenues and and in the process and this is what i enjoyed the most you you hear some of the feedbacks so one of the products i um launched developed from scratch into france which is a a creme brulee Casimo disk i think you also have customer in in the us where you put the, the water in and the idea is you put the water in and then it swells up um, in the cup, and you basically get like a dessert type texture um, with coffee. So it's like a, like a delicious, you know, dessert type um, coffee drink. So we've got some some patents um off the back of that. And they threaten to to delist and stop selling the products in France. And there's like this big uproar of all the people saying, No, we're loving it, we're loving it, we're loving it. So when you kind of get that you know, massive, I think it actually won an award for the flavor of the year in France. So when that happens and you realize that you're delighting so many different people, that's the thing that gives me the buzz where you can use all the, you know, the techie science stuff. But in actual fact, when you get consumers go, wow, this is really nice. You know that, you know, you've, you've used your skills for the good to, to, to help other people. And that's, I guess, always been the driver for me.
0: I absolutely love that because bread making is always interesting because, It's chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) Organic chemistry wasn't my greatest subject in in college, but it's truly chemistry. But something that you mentioned was that Miss Bedford believed in you. I mean, doesn't that, it really does make a difference when you're running with something that's important to you. When you have someone that, that believes in you Because sometimes we don't immediately have those people saying, oh my God, I love this. We don't always have proof of concept or the evidence that something's going to turn out great when we start.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think when I go back to my school days, you know, I was like very, I didn't have much confidence. I didn't really believe in myself. And you know, and sometimes you just need someone to believe in you, so then start to so you start to believe in yourself. I think that's and 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 that's what she did for me. And you know, when you when you have a passion for something, and then someone's behind you and believes in you, and then you start to get progress and you start to get traction, and you and you start and the confidence starts to build. Then that belief then I think comes into you, and that's when things start to change.
0: Yeah, and I think that today with everything being so digital and social media is not as curated as it once was, but people still only show what they want to show. I feel like my son's generation, he's 27, in the millennial generation, it's hard for them to see that evidence and to have that belief because they're constantly bombarded with information that there's something better and different. And they can tend to compare themselves. I'm not saying all kids do, but to be in that moment and then to also see like a travel in the airport. And I mean, I've been guilty of it too, but parents would be face down in their phones and you see teachers share these stories where kids talk about when they go home from school their parents' faces are in their phones the whole time. Like they don't, people don't know how to communicate anymore. And that second piece of that connection with her, you know, talking about somebody being behind you, you and I both uh, know an Olympian. We'll just name him Jason Parker. We're going to give credit where credit's due here. He, he, introduced a concept to me and I I think um, you were probably in the coaching program at that time too it's called racking Mm -hmm. recognize acknowledge and celebrate and sometimes we're bombarded with information around us that we don't often recognize the small achievements and how those small achievements build up to a crescendo for that impact so when you talk about recognizing the things that are going right what are some things that you do to reinforce to yourself that you're on this right path because clearly bringing people joy through their taste buds is your jam that's that's what you love to do
1: exactly exactly so i guess one of the things that I do, and, uh, well, none of the listeners can see this, but I, I have a sheet of paper that I fill every day with little wins, because, you know, the point that you make a thing is really important, because when you, you know, for the generation I was, you know, back then, I, I didn't have social media, and there wasn't that same comparison, but now, you know, all the kids, you know, in, well, my, in my son's second but they've all got phones. My son doesn't have a phone, because we purposely not gave him one because it just creates, I think at the at age of age 11, I think it creates more trouble than it's worth. And all they're doing is con- constantly comparing themselves and just most of the time just dragging themselves down. Um, so one, you know, one thing that I really make sure I do and understand the importance of this is any little wind that I get, it goes down. Is literally right next to me, so it's in that way, it's very it, you keep the positive trajectory if you don't, at least from my point of view. And I've gone through a phase of not doing it, it's really oh, god, that's going wrong. Oh, what's that going on here? That's not and that's not going wrong. I need to go and do that, and all of a sudden, you find yourself in this negative spiral. So, that is the for me, the, the most effective thing just have a little, you know, a full sheet to have next to you. And just go through it and just you know it takes a second. Oh, I've just got a great win now. I've got a you know, a meeting with a major supermarket, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna put that down now, or even if it's a, a small one, you know, you've just seen the sales pick up after you've just done a discount. And all of those little things just help to build the momentum and, and the confidence um in, in what's going, because otherwise it's very easy because you know, at the same time, a lot of things don't go the way that you want to, sometimes for for good reason, but it's very easy to be pulled down if if you're not careful. That's what my experience.
0: Yeah. You know, the brain's wired to survive or thrive and thrive mode means staying in our habits so we don't have to burn calories and survival mode is looking out for, you know, what do I need to be aware of And definitely the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we think gears that entire emotional state, but, Talking about what you're doing, I reflect that to my clients all the time. And I encourage them to develop this habit of recognizing because that's how we develop our self trust. And especially when you're an entrepreneur and you're constantly going into different ventures. Now, you work with several corporations. You hold, what is it, 28 food patents?
1: Yeah, I think probably it's gone up a little bit now. But yeah, around that. That's sort of, yeah, 28, that's not like that. Yeah.
0: I mean that's that's just a huge reflect, reflection of creativity and ingenuity. When did you decide to strike out on your own and and leave corporate? I mean what what is that even like? Did you already have something in the works or did you just say, "Okay, I have this much in my savings. I'm just going to go for it."
1: yeah so so what it was is i i knew that it was something that i wanted to do and was then screwing away money to enable that to happen um so that probably something i planned for a, a couple of years because what i found as a pattern where i was you know going from job to job to job and i would learned something hey, great i know what i'm doing now let's go and do something else let's go and do something else and at that point i realized well maybe this corporate life isn't what i need to do because i was just doing that because i wanted to challenge myself and see how far can i push this and when you kind of reach that limit it's kind of okay i'm there now what's next so i knew that i wanted to start my own business and probably at the same time very naive in terms of the challenges and to be honest, some of the immense challenges that you've got, because at that point you don't have security of the paycheck coming in every month. And, you know, things always, always take, you know, double, triple the amount of time that you think it will take. And and that was, um, I think, a real challenge um, to do. So, So in the end, it got to the point where, okay, I've done all this stuff, now let's make, and I intuitively know, okay, hey, this is the time, I'm ready, there's cash in the bank, Let, let's go and do this.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting, it, since you and I like, last chatted face-to-face, I mean, we've stayed in, stayed in touch um, electronically, but to like actually sit and chat face-to-face, I've made a conscious effort to stay connected with people who aren't necessarily in the coaching space, because to do what you've done is very different than to be a hypnotist and to offer services. Because it requires capital, mm. it requires contracts with multiple vendors. the um, The margins aren't necessarily the same in the beginning. Uh, there's a cost outlay, and with food, I'm sure there are all kinds of regulations and hoops and those things that you that you jump through like when you first stepped into this entrepreneur role which I just find totally ironic it's no accident I mean it's the challenge of all challenges (laughs) it never ends what was one of the biggest um, what was one of the biggest challenges you faced right out of the gate
1: I think Initially, I think there's on two levels, really. One was that of solitude and going from a place where you're just surrounded by people to, oh, it's me and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do that and I've got to do that. And you realise that everything is just completely on your shoulders and, and you've got, at that point, I had no mentors, no advisors, there's nothing, it was just me at a desk or in the kitchen creating the product so there was that, which is for me was, was quite big and certainly took some time to get used to. No set working hours at all. And you know, I was working sometimes two, three o'clock in the morning to, because I found that I needed to do that and push myself. And and I guess the other element was just to take the product because I've done product on a small scale. So I would go and take it to food fairs or district shows and. It off and people go, okay, I really like this, I, really, I want to buy it. I said, okay, great, but I knew that I couldn't make the product at that point. It started off as dairy products, I knew that I couldn't make it in the kitchen. You know, just to go through all of that, there was all of these approvals from environmental health, etc., trading standards on the labels, just to get to that point. But I knew then the only way that you could really make some serious money and make serious impact is by volume with food and drink, that's the only way you can do it because, you know, you you may only make 20p, 30p, 40p on drink, you have to make a lot of drinks and and sell a lot of products to start getting some, you know, some decent revenues that you can then invest into marketing, et cetera. So the biggest challenge I have was finding a manufacturer. I had a great idea. Um, I had some very small scale um, proof that people liked it. But, you know, even then it wasn't massive, literally, you know, sold a couple hundred dollars worth of drink at that point in time. So it wasn't it wasn't huge. Yeah. But I just knew that I needed someone to help me. And that was the, that took me probably the best part of two years to, wow. to crack right from the idea. Like I need to find someone to then finding somebody. And then after all of that work, it just it fell apart in six weeks.
0: I remember that you had a contract with British airways, wasn't it?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. First and, ever customer. Yeah.
0: And it was something that was completely out of your control. Uh, a manufacturing issue that led to that falling apart.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. They just won't keep the, the quality standards up on the product. And then the complaints start coming. It's one of those things where I knew it wasn't right, but you they say, oh, you know, they literally fund everything. They can read it. They told me oh, they can reach all these other customers. It's going to be massive. So I'm thinking, okay, let's just go with this. It's taken me two years to get to this point. I, I can't just walk away now. And then when when I was doing an inspection, I left them for two weeks. to just, you know, if it's going to fall over, I thought, let, let it fall over. And it fell over. They were cleaning the product. The, the line after it was all sterilized. So that was against the you know, bacteria and after that was happening. So I went and inspected that product it was all off because it was clearly dairy. And then the luckily or unluckily, British Airways called me 20 minutes after I found out the issue and I told them what was going on I said, I'm closing it all down. And it was the hardest, easiest decision that I had to make.
0: The hardest, easiest decision. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so it was it was hard because it taken me you know two years of my time, effort and energy just to get a product formulated, which took you know it took me probably 18 months before that to get formulated to then test it, to then go complete all of the you know regulations and, and ticks that you have to do to get a product into the market. So I had to. So that was the hard part. I've done all of that work, and I had to literally had to, to let it all go, um, knowing that there's also at that point almost no cash in the bank, and the because of the way that I, I had to stop it immediately, the manufacturer didn't like that, and therefore didn't want to pay me anything. So I had I had really nothing left. But it's also easy, because from a value fit point of view, there's no way that I could sell a product that I knew was substandard. And it wasn't going to hurt anybody, it just tasted off because that's when, you know, if you leave milk out too long, it just tastes off. It wasn't going to hurt anybody, but just the quality wasn't there. And therefore that completely violated my own values. And therefore, from that point of view, it's an easy decision to make. But yeah, tough at the same time.
0: Yeah, You mentioned that when you were much younger, that like confidence was a real issue. How did this impact your mindset? Did you want to quit? Or did you know there was something better waiting for you?
1: Mm, good question. It, it could have gone one of two ways, and for me, it went. I'm gonna down. You know, I've done all of this work. I ain't giving up now. And a lot of that came through because I was you know fortunate enough to be working with with Jim Fortin in, the, in the, you know, the coaching program when we met, and you know, talking about responsibility. And, you know, the more responsible you are about something, the more likely you are to take action. So I just took full responsibility for that. And, you know, because in all fairness, I knew that something wasn't right, but took the decision to keep going because I wanted to make this happen, you know, for the right reasons, um, but I kept going. And so after that happened, I thought, you know what, the only way I can move forward is to, I need to get investment because at this point I had nothing left. And it was just, I knew I had to do it. I, I wasn't going to stop at that point in time. You know, there was a, there's, we know that I knew there's a product that people wanted and I was going to do whatever it took to bring it out there to market.
0: Yeah. So just to give everyone a little bit of context here, this product, you can see the sign behind him. Earth Drinks, That's the rebrand. But it's basically a breakfast in a bottle that you could just grab and go. So I want you to think that that was 2019 when that happened, August ish, 2019. You're getting back on your feet and looking for investors. You're taking full responsibility. And this was specifically geared to help busy parents, busy professionals. You know, in the morning, they can get a healthy breakfast without having to sit and prepare a whole breakfast. And then the pandemic happened. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) When things couldn't get any
1: worse. (laughs) (laughs) When they couldn't
0: get any worse. What is it in in Florence Scovel Shin in the book, The Complete Works, you and I, that's my money Bible. I go back, Mm -hmm. I still... Go back to that Mm -hmm. tattered book, but there's a passage in there about this man who became so desolate that he unalived himself. And three days after he unalived himself, the big breakthrough he had been waiting for shows up in his mailbox. (laughs) So it's like, you know, we do have these moments where we're like, my God, it could not get any worse. What was going through your mind? Because you laugh about it now, but. I'm sure you probably weren't laughing then.
1: No, <laughs> that's fair to say. Yeah, I think so. Part of me and this, I guess, is the, the optimist for the thinking, well, it's a good job that the thing with British Airways didn't work out, although they did say come back on board and they said they love the product, get yourself another manufacturer. But I was kind of glad because if we if everything was going really well and swimmingly and all of a sudden, obviously everything was shut down because of the pandemic, and that would have been an absolute kicker and and that would have been you know a challenge but having done that and i went out to to raise investment and clearly because it is an on-the-go product and people are sitting at home all the investors are saying nope not a chance because i had very little to show for it really i just had an idea still but even, you know even at that point some sales traction on British Airways, but six weeks wasn't really enough to, to, to tell the story. So it was, it, it it was a punch in the stomach, really. And if I'm honest, it was, oh God, you know, what do I do now when cash is already tight and I can't raise? And it took me probably the best part of 18 months from that point to, to start, you know, getting the traction and finally get, you know, the first, I think it was someone gave me £5,516. And um, I was jumping up and down when that happened because it was just enough, just when I needed it to start making some more ingredients. So I, because, you know, I couldn't even then make the product to, to give to investors. They said, can we have samples? Well, no, because like some of the specialist technologies that goes into making the product, I couldn't do that. I couldn't afford to do it. So it was like a chicken and egg situation, and an absolute absolute nightmare but that just goes back to my point earlier when you have to really take notice the little wins so you know it just even if an investor says expresses an interest that's a win if you get a conversation with them that's another win and all of a sudden you can start you start to build the momentum internally and then things start to ripple out that that was the 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 only way that i found to, to keep going because you get so many no's it's
0: you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, and you and I being in that coaching program, gratitude is one of the hugest components. I, I I think it was the most life-changing component. Yes. Taking responsibility. We have the power of choice, all of these things, but you know, that 5,000 pounds. What did you say? 5,600?
1: Yeah, about 5,516
0: pounds. <laughs> he knows it. 5,516 pounds. <laughs> it, it, like you become as grateful for one pound as you would be a million pounds. Yeah. And exactly. to not take those things um, for granted, what were some of the things that you were doing through that time to keep your to keep your head in the game because there are a lot of different ways that that we can address things and I'll let you talk about it a little bit later but I've watched you share and I know that you continue to stay on your mindset game mm-hmm. and it's, it's just an evolution and it was interesting because yesterday I was looking up some statistics. I think it's the Proctor Gallagher Institute says that with any business its 5% strategy and tactics the other 95% is who you're being when you show up and i i can tell you from what you've already shared i probably would have walked away <laughs> <laughs> i will would have walked away because it's a huge transition to go from knowing you're getting a paycheck to having all of that on you and assuming responsibility for providing. So how did how did you keep from just being overwhelmed by it all?
1: Yeah, it's So the other part to that, which we learned obviously um, in the coaching program was around um, basically self-hypnosis. And and that's what I used, you know, twice, sometimes three day, three times a day, to really focus on, you know, it's 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 and and it sounds bizarre and 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 it can feel a stretch when you first start, but it's already done, you know, I've already got the two hundred fifty thousand pounds that I was raising, and you know, it's been raised to go, oh, it's only five and a half thousands, you know, that I I need, you know, a quarter of a million, this is doesn't even touch the sides. When you have that gratitude, um, massive, that is an absolute game changer um, because, and you just keep that positive, you know, you can see the vision and you can see it clearly, you can feel it, then you're only going to go one way. It's when you take your mind off that and you start to see things not going on, you, you know, you're not getting the traction, you're not getting the meeting with the investors, investors are saying no it's for, for you know a myriad of different reasons that you can you know own, own personal opinions and beliefs about you know the category or the market or whatever it is um or you know maybe they're like me i don't think there's many people that like that but you know there are some people that there's just not per- personality fit. um and to just keep that belief and that vision is, is for me was probably one of the most important things as well as the gratitude because otherwise like you said i think most people would have given up and mm-hmm. when well, you know and ultimately and it kind of goes back to that you know that you know Simon is about the why and why you're doing it and as you know my son was born prematurely and that kind of initiated the whole you know concept of, of the drink where I was missing breakfast cereal in the morning and thought, how can I put this bit into really convenient format so it's smooth, you can drink it through a straw. And it's just super healthy and super nutritious and super easy to have in the morning. Because, you know, okay, I was wanting to see my son in hospital, but there's many people that just, you know, absolutely crazy in the morning, don't perhaps feel like it, or they just don't have the time. So having that, going, taking back to that room of, you know, why am I doing this? I remember what it was like at those times, and I want to help other people they're necessarily in the same situation but they've got their own stresses in their life how can I do just one small step and contribution to help them you know every day and every morning and when you yeah. kind of put all of those elements together you've got something that's very powerful
0: I know that some people are probably thinking gratitude how can you have gratitude there's there's no money coming in there's bills to be paid and there's a fine line between being aware of your responsibilities and being caught in worry over mm-hmm. those things. Now, what was the breakthrough moment for you? When did you know that the tide was turning well, I mean, you already had it in your mind. You knew it had turned, but when did you get the uh, proof in your physical reality that things
1: were shifting. So what it was is I went on to an investment site and I think actually it's it's across the world called Angel Investment Network. And I put the pitch on there. Again, that took money to, to invest in that. So it was one hell of a punt at the time. So I put it on there and started to get interest coming through. And remember at this point, all it is is an idea. That's it, it was just me. You know sitting down right on a deck, putting some financials together, creating a nice story, and just hoping and praying that someone believes in me. Which it, it, a lot of people say is more it's, the founders more important sometimes than the idea, but making sure they believe in me and what I'm trying to create. And when I started to get this interest coming through, then that's when things started to change. First 5,000 came in. Then the 10,000 came in and then, you know, as I closed the rounds um, later on, you know, I was, it was, I was getting 50,000 pounds sums and all of a sudden I overfunded, And I think we, I think I raised 273,000 on the first pre-seeds round. And it's funny how when the momentum starts all of a sudden it just goes and goes and goes and it snowballs and it's, it's fascinating. As your vibration changes and gets higher, the quicker things happen.
0: Absolutely. And I know it's, it's far-fetched to some people, but in my world, <laughs> I love vibration. It's everything. So when did you start actually getting the product back into market? Because I know that you've done a rebrand. I love the new branding. Um, so take us a little bit through that and where this is going now and just how things in general are shifting and changing for you with the growth of the awareness of earth drinks
1: yeah sure sure so so i raised the the first after start, i started to get some of the money in 2021 2022 we closed around and you know and you would think at that point, Adrian, you're home and dry now. You've got the money. All you've got to do now is just to go and make it happen. But unfortunately, we had more challenges with the Ukrainian war kicked off literally just after we completed the raise. And then what happened is all the manufacturers shut down because of all they, because of that supply chain challenges. They just struggled to get ingredients in to make the products they're doing already. And they weren't willing, because I had somebody on board in the UK to make it, and they weren't even willing to talk to me. We can't take anything in. So I'm thinking, okay, so now I'm burning through cash because we're getting all the the branding redone. We're reformulating the product to be a plant-based, oatmeal-based drink. And all I'm doing now is I'm burning cash, but we're not getting anywhere. So we had to then overcome more challenges or we had to look elsewhere and eventually we found a great partner in Finland to make the drink and are absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. So everything happens for, for a reason, as I like to say. And then so we eventually launched the products and we got our. and it, this is kind of a thing that was building where I was also, as well as doing all of that and just bringing the product into the market, doing all the investment. I was also selling at the same time so I'd started a, um, a conversation and been declined twice before from a, an online retailer, which is the largest online supermarket in the UK and probably I think in Europe for the Cardo. And I've been declined from them twice, but I'm not the kind of, you probably realized I'm not the one to take no for an answer. So they kept knocking on the door anyway, they got a new buyer in and she really liked it, loved it, like, what, the whole idea and. You know, they had their own challenges with been going on with, the, with, with with the war and eventually we agreed to for her we call it listing in other words it's kind of a listing in their catalog for one of a better description and so we agreed to, to list at the end of 2022 and launched with the um with all the trials done in Finland we had to start all of that all over again to make sure that we could produce the parts in Finland and then we launched at the back end of February 2023. So that's the the process. And at that point, great, it's kind of we're in market now. But in reality, that, and to give you some context, it was from I registered the business in 2013. That was when I had the idea. Maybe a little bit too early to register a limited business, but I wanted to do it properly. So that by that point, it's been it's been 10 years. Right from the idea to bringing it into market. And ironically, I was only at the start line because you know, you've got products into market now, and you've got the, the and the, this is the hardest bit it's now building the brand bring, and bringing people on, on board. And what's happened since then is we've seen great sales um, from Though We then moved into a wholesaler selling the products also nationally across independent house food stores. And on top of that, we've now got um, conversations with three of the four biggest um, biggest you know, retail supermarkets within the UK. We've got um, talks with major airlines. We've got a trial agreed with um, a large, a very large um, food service business over in the UK. Um, and which will then open up the, to us to the first, the biggest distributor in the uk which gives us even bigger national coverage so there's a snowball effect that's happening yes. at the moment which is which is amazing but at the same time it creates challenges because to to launch a food product is not cheap um, and to then get it into scale that is you know because you've got to put the marketing funds behind it you've got to work in capital to be able to produce all the product as yeah. well So now, you know, I'm going through a second round of of investment to be able to finance all of that and to keep growing and scaling the business. So it's a a never-ending challenge.
0: And, you know, I think that most people don't realize that because in any business, not just in what you're doing, but when you're talking a physical product, especially growing too fast, uh, if you don't have... That foundation and those systems and the infrastructure in place, um, it can impact your reputation. It can impact the brand. But I really want to highlight, I've noticed, at least in the coaching space, there's a big pushback against the idea of resilience. Like people are literally beginning to get turned off by that word, but Resilience and resourcefulness is what has gotten you to where you are. I mean, w- would you argue with that at all?
1: No, not at all. I think you've you hit an arm. Those are the two key words. If anyone says to me, what do you need to become an entrepreneur? You need those two points. You need to be resilient because you'll get kicked down for so many times it's it's not even funny it's it's crazy you you know you'll get yeah almost a thousand no's and a a yes and as long as you you put up that that barrier and you keep on going otherwise if you don't have that then you know you, you you need to work on it um and really through the you know some of the tools that we've spoken about already and resourcefulness is it's also so important because when you don't have you know the hard capital in your pocket you know what are you going to do to create and demonstrate to people that you've got something special so you know it, for me it was you know going and asking friends and, and my wife was doing as well you know students at the at the workplace yeah here you go here's a a drink go and shoot a video and, and i going go and put that on social media or I'll go and send that to an investor so all of a sudden you know you are make everything look bigger than it, than it really is. You're painting a, a bigger picture of what it can be, and, and allowing people to buy into that. The resourcefulness is absolutely, absolutely crucial.
0: Yeah, and you know what really triggered that thought for me is when you were talking about going through that round of funds. And it's like, what did what did you do? You went back and you started looking for investor pages. You put together a pitch deck. You you just didn't stop and Did you have someone to guide you on that path of looking for investors in different avenues to travel down to create that? Or or did you have to figure that out on your own?
1: Back again, it breaks for some reason.
0: Yeah, we'll flip that part out. So, That's
1: fine. I I can. What I can do is I I I, I caught up to. Did you have anyone to help you? So what I can do if you want, is I can pick up from from that point to help the editing.
0: Yeah. So did you have someone to show you the ropes to be resourceful, or did you figure all of these things out on your own?
1: So what I did, and I'm a, a firm believer that you know when the, the student is ready, the teacher appears, and I was, as part of my, you know, searching, I was looking for people that can help me because I knew, you know, I'd never put together an investment pitch deck before in my life. You know, I can Google it and I can try and understand what needs to go in it, And that's what what I did, but I knew that I needed some more specialized help. And there's a guy called Phil that literally, you know, like an angel just appeared out of nowhere and said, Oh, Um, I know what you're trying to do, I can help you because I've raised funds myself and he worked with me for free um, to pull together, you know, took my pitch deck and helped me to refine it and to fine tune it and fine tune it until eventually it was there. And I think that's really important. It's knowing, you know, it's very easy to try and go, you know what, I'm going to do everything myself, which you, you kind of have to do, but also you have to know your limitations and know what you can't do. And you know, and they go and ask for help because there are people out there that will, you know, that will willingly, willingly. And I still do this for other people now after what what Phil did for me. And you know, will help people to you know to fine tune investment decks or pitch decks to supermarkets or whatever, and just give a bit of my time up because it's the it's the least that I can do. And I think you know it's that liney principle as well that, that we've learned. Yes, and
0: I've talked about. Aini on here before it's probably been a while but if you're wondering what he means by Aini it's an ancient Incan term and it's about the law of reciprocity of giving without expectation of anything in return and it's really the way that the universe operates and I really you know want to highlight something I in my earliest earlier podcast episode I recorded today we were talking about mindset and how so many people think that wealthy people are bad, and rich people don't care about other people. He mentored you and didn't charge you. Most wealthy people I know are willing to mentor other people when they're self-motivated, and they're in the trenches, and they're actively creating. I mean, has that been your experience for the most part? Um, Absolutely,
1: absolutely, because I think what people in that position tend to do is they can relate and it almost takes them back to when they were at that time. And they just want to help. You know, yeah. if they see see the potential in the person and they can see that they're not, you know, just trying to take advantage, they're generally just trying to make a difference, then these people just come out of the woodwork to help yeah. and support those they, those guys every time. And it's funny because it's as I go through the journey. There's always been a pattern, where because I guess because I like to help others, when I need help, then all of a sudden somebody just appears out of nowhere to help me. It's 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 really funny how that principle of, of Avani works, but it's it's so true and it's so powerful.
0: Yeah. So, what is your vision for where this is going to go this year where where do you see yourself by the end of 2023 i mean i know it's just one more quarter um so in terms of manufacturing that may not be that long compared to other businesses but um where do you see this going
1: i would the vision for by the end of 23 is to have close the funding round that I'm doing at the moment, which is about sort of just over $400,000 to get that closed, to close off some of the discussions with um, the major supermarkets. We wouldn't be launching until next year because they've got these, i think have a couple of windows in the year. So the next window would be um, spring next year to get that done. And also to hopefully have um, the first bit of European business at the moment, we're just in the UK. And we've already got strong interest from a a major supermarket in Ireland. So if we can tick those boxes off and, you know, done some sporting marketing work behind that so that we've got everything ready to go for a big 2024, then um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be very happy.
0: Yeah. You, you've had a whole team of, of people behind you, helping you. Uh, from your marketing. I know you're still doing mindset work and coaching work and all of all of those things. And I think that just speaks volumes that when we have something that we really want to grow, and it doesn't matter if it's service or product based, we just can't do it all ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And to give ourselves permission, like it doesn't say anything about us. Uh, that we can't do it all ourselves. So before we wrap it up, is there any one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's thinking, oh, well, you know, this all sounds great. And you talked about how you had these ups and downs and challenges, but I I, I don't know. I, I think maybe entrepreneurship isn't for me or i'm not sure i can do it what what would you say if someone has this burning desire to do something but they're just they're holding back from it because they're afraid of this unknown
1: yeah for me it's 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 probably the simplest hardest thing and this is the fact that if you have an idea if you have a passion That you want to do something then it's already done because the fact that you have the passion you know there's millions you know billions of people in the world and the fact that you have that passion to do means that you were meant to do it there was a reason you know that you are you are here on this earth at this time and it's to serve almost certainly if you have that strong passion like i did and still have that's the reason for being And when you accept that and truly embrace it, then anything becomes possible. Then the only thing that's standing between you and your dream is yourself. Nobody else, it's all in the head.
0: Yeah. And that's so so important then
1: to work with people like yourself, Penny, other coaching programs, and to get that expertise around you to help you do that. You know, just like I had Mrs. Bedford, back when I was at school, that had that belief and taught me the things that, not, that I needed to do purely at that point. It's purely an academic point. But now, you know, when you are an adult and you want to become an entrepreneur, to have that person that's going to believe in you and have that faith in you to enable you then to believe in yourself. You don't have it at this point in time, and maybe you have some self belief, some trust in yourself, but it's still in its infancy. Bring those people around you that when things go wrong, and you know they do go wrong, you've got that support around you to lift you up, and you see that when things are going wrong, and actually, in fact, they've not gone wrong at all. It's actually something that's my mindset is always there's something better coming. I just didn't think that I just didn't see that one coming, and inevitably, that better thing will always come. So it's for me, it's just really important to to follow those principles, and and then yeah. That's when things starts to happen. That's when the magic happens.
0: Beautiful. Tell people about the drink, where they can currently get it, and uh, where people can follow along, so they know when it's available in their area.
1: Sure. So at the moment, it's very much based in the UK in the UK market. Um, obviously available on Acado is the is the easiest place. We're also on Amazon, but again, um, UK only, and off the website, earthdrinks.com. Um, so that's where you can find us. And hopefully, with time, I'd like to, to enter the American market. So hopefully, you know, some of your listeners will get the opportunity to, to try Earth. Of course, if you're over in the UK as well, then definitely look us up and um, get some products to you.
0: Beautiful. Adrian, thank you so much for being willing to share uh, this journey, because it's interesting, one, to just kind of get a behind the scenes view of what happens with bringing a product to market, but two, to just know that, you know, when you stick with it, and you're surrounded by the right people, when you have your team when you have that trust, when you have that confidence that if you stay with it, like you said, it's it's already there for you. So thank okay. you very much for coming on and sharing your story.
1: You're welcome, Penny.
0: All right, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, or you can screenshot this episode share it on your Instagram stories. You can tag me and I believe you have an account for Earth Drinks on Instagram, no? Correct, yes. And they follow us the yes. on Instagram as well. All right, so we'll have those links for you. Everyone, I'll see you next week.